welcome to Sustainable Photography. I'm your host, Ingvild Kolnes, and today we're talking about elopements, which of course is a favorite topic of mine since I'm also an elopement photographer. With me today, I have Kristen Ada, who is the top elopement photographer here in Norway. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, where you get support and education to build your profitable business in a way that supports your way of living. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, and after 11 years as a photographer, I want to share what I've learned with you. So if you're looking for confidence, inspiration, and to-the-point tips, keep listening. For full transparency, I also want you to know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I might mention some of those in this episode. Kristen Ada started out as a graphic designer before she took an education in photography. She started up her first studio straight out of school. She then went through lots of different genres of photography before she realized that weddings, and elopement specifically, was her passion. Kristen and I used to have a weekly coffee chat on Clubhouse, and I'm so excited to talk to her again about photography. Hi Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about you and your background? Like how you ended up as an elopement photographer and, well, basically who you are. Thank you so much. I am very fine this morning. Um, I'm a little bit tired. Uh, but yeah, I started out actually as a graphic designer, but I did so many photo shoots. So I decided to go ahead and educate myself in photography instead. And I went to photography school. And after that, I started my first studio 100%. And that was way back in 2000 eight so I'm a grand old lady but at that time I did a little bit of everything like I called myself a potato because although I was creative um, my first focus was actually to earn so I did portraits I did family I did newborns I did weddings I did commercial I like I did it all <laughs> and then after a few years I focused more in on weddings I decided this was for me because I love the stolen moments and everything that happens. Like there's not a single wedding that is identical. So every wedding brings something new to the table. And after doing that, some years, I actually got my first wedding destination wedding. And that was in Iceland. And that was way back when in 2013, I think. Uh, and then I got the feel for what an elopement could be because there was not like it didn't have a timeline and specific way that traditional weddings has. And we went around exploring different places in Iceland and doing a shoot here and doing a luncheon there. And like the feeling was amazing. So I looked more into it. And I think actually it was on Instagram. I started like tagging things and hashtagging and like offering <laughs> offering like because I had been to Iceland I did hashtag Iceland Iceland wedding all of these things and for some reason some people contacted me and uh, I wanted to come to Norway because Norway as you know is exotic yes. for a lot of people <laughs> so uh, I guess the first real elephants that I did have was in 2000 and 16 17 ish and then I I guess I am lucky because since I started it out so early then I was one of the few like 
in every genre if you're the first at something then you get a lot of for free mm. I would say so I guess when people started to look at that option they found me quite easily so yeah it went on from there and it was actually during the pandemic like 2021 that I actually did elopements for the first time without doing anything else in the season like 100% elopements that's a little bit ironic (laughs) I know but uh, it seemed to like not I of course did not get the clients that I normally get from America to to Norway but a lot of traditional weddings shifted onto elopements and Europeans could still come so there was that So I actually had a lot to do and last year was insane and this year is going to be moon. (laughs) It's too much, but I'm going to enjoy myself anyways. But it looks a lot on the calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) So that was a little bit about me. But aside from that, I do have a family. So I have a very patient family (laughs) that allows me to do all these things. So I'm blessed in that way. That's really good because you're away quite a lot. I am. I have a season uh, which uh, gets bigger with every year. It spans from this year, it spans from April until November. Mm. Uh, but when I started out way back when, it was like the wedding season that was from late May until late August or something, <laughs> which was the warm months. Yeah. Um, and nowadays people are okay with everything, it seems like crazy people yeah yeah crazy people are fun so (laughs) and what do you consider to be a sustainable business yeah you asked the right person (laughs) so I think that there's so many ways of thinking about sustainability uh, and I am what I put into it is how you're able to actually do what you do for a long time in a good way Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm guessing so Consistency is one of the things I noted down. I think that if you want to get into this line of business, then you need to hang in there. You need to show what you want to do. So for instance, you cannot have uh, a week of elopements and then do two weeks of animals and newborns and Mm -hmm. whatever. You are perfectly allowed to do it. Because most people, especially in Norway, cannot live on just elopements because of the season and everything. But in general, if you want to do this, then show it. Do not show everything else you do. Do it. Uh, You can show it, for instance, on your web page. But on your Instagram, for instance, which I find is a very good tool for marketing. If you are consistent, that is. (laughs) Then show what you want to do uh, and not like go off to the side here and there and also prices mm-hmm. prices is very important uh, because it seems in our industry that we keep to the same prices as, as we did when we started up for some reason like every other genre or business they have a normal healthy rise each year because salaries go up like the prices go up on different things like in general the economy gets better so we need to rise with it but for some reason we're stuck (laughs) i i believe like you should have a little bit of a rise each year actually but for some reason it takes like five years in between every time someone 
adjust their prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you have to actually look at all the costs around you, like making this whole thing possible. Yeah. And when they go up, you need to go up. And also you're actually supposed to live off of this. It seems like a very happy-go-lucky genre because it is fun, but you still need to live off of it. Yeah, because it's a lot of work, even though it's fun. It is. And I think that is the biggest problem for a lot of people. They have seen the result, but they haven't like been... I actually should like record a behind-the-scenes like a full day so people can see what actually goes into an elopement. Mm-hmm. Because people see the, the pretty images on top of mountain or something and they're like oh this is cool which it is (laughs) but it's so much more and it's frustration and it's uh, all the things you have to fix for them and you're basically in charge or responsible for the whole day so if anything goes wrong it's on you Mm -hmm. which is a big responsibility compared to traditional weddings where you're just like a pawn in the whole scheme of things yeah definitely and you do a lot of work beforehand like location scouting and planning and there's so much to it yes and this you know too because you do it as well but (laughs) but yeah and every couple like you can be lucky and get a couple that says yes to everything and you can get a couple that is opinionated and has a lot of preferences and for instance I had a couple that that was quite early on but I had a couple that wanted to go to a specific spot and I was like no I don't think this is a good idea they were like yes we're going there and I was like okay I will do what you say (laughs) because it's not not like in the end I can give them advice and tips and my experience but in the end they have to decide what they want to do Mm. in recent years i've learned that maybe then you should say no (laughs) yeah saying no is good (laughs) (laughs) but at that moment i said yes because i thought okay it might it might work it could be awesome but it turned out a disaster so it was a hard lesson for me to learn to trust my intuition and like say that I know this so you should listen to me when it comes to choices that are potentially stupid and could waste both yours and my time Mm. yeah it doesn't really help you if you say yes to things that you kind of know is gonna hurt you in the end because that can often be the case if you're finding it hard to say no then yeah at least in my experience that's often when I should have said no I know. And you, like, over the years, you've learned that there are a lot of red flags (laughs) initially. But when you're fresh, you're like, oh, this is, I can work around it. It will be great. But most likely, if it starts out with a lot of red flags, then it won't or will only get worse, not better. So, but the problem here was that they didn't have a clue. Like, they were from America and I was fresh to the game so I was like yes it might work this could be awesome but like they didn't come with ill attention like a lot of people do they were just ignorant and I didn't have the right advice which is partially why for instance like I compare myself to all the new 
wonderful bohemian photographers coming. They're so beautiful and they're experts at selling themselves, which I am not. <laughs> and then I have to sometimes like sit myself down and think, yeah, but Kristen, you do actually have almost 15 years of experience. So you do have something to bring to the table, which is a good thing, but it's also good for everyone else because <laughs> I know in little old Norway, we're sitting all alone and like I'm not going to ask anyone because I, I won't get help either way because like everyone is competing and it's terrible. And I feel that if someone needs advice or something it's like I'm I'm here and it's a big difference in getting advice and how to like really want to get into the business or whatever than asking or taking advantage of people to gain credibility and get ahead of the game mm -hmm. so it's it's a big difference but like I said I'm an open book if people really want to learn because what I feel is part of the problem in Norway is that elopement came from a clear blue sky and hit us like so there's a lot of people that actually don't know what it is like they see the images and they have their thoughts on what it is and they start to offer it because it looks exciting and then maybe not <laughs> yeah because what what is an elopement what's what's the deal because in the u.s for example elopements have been around for for ages but we don't it's a new term for europeans really so what would you say that that an elopement is it's it's hard to say because it's different but it's the same also because what i feel the main misconception is that people think that we go around just doing photography in awesome places and that's it but you do have everything or most things that a traditional wedding has you have the preparations you have the first book which is quite new in general <laughs> to norwegians but it has been taken into the traditional wedding segment so a lot of people now know what it is but it is to see each other before the ceremony for the first time. Um, and you have the ceremony. A lot of the ceremonies are, of course, not legal, which it is in a traditional wedding with either a judge or a church. Uh, but for me, for instance, I think yeah, I'm up to like around 70% of all the elopements I do are actually uh, legal weddings which is kind of cool because I help them with the paperwork and everything. But yeah, so you have that. And then after that, you go on to the portrait session part of it. And that is, of course, a lot longer than a traditional wedding where you would set aside everything from 30 minutes to maybe one and a half hours. And in an elopement, you don't really have a timeline for the portrait part because that is where the adventure comes in. And people get to see different places and adventure the place they actually came to. Mm -hmm. Because although a lot of people choose the place they know, most people choose something completely new. So they make this into, I would, if you were to compare it with another word, I would say adventure wedding. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's more about the experience itself. Like being in a new place and experiencing it with your loved one or a partner and seeing new things for the first time. Like 
it gets you every time <laughs> at least for me like I've I've been to a lot of these places time and time again and every time I see something new but yeah and some people bring guests to their elopement but in general I would say an elopement has under 10 guests if they do have guests most of the time it's just the couple themselves mm. So I've been a witness lots of times <laughs> or a best man. Or... <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. But yeah, but the, the biggest, like, if you don't look at how it's built, the biggest difference is that I would say you get to challenge yourself each and every time because, like, no elopement is the same. And by that, I do know that no wedding is the same because there are different people and everything but in a wedding you have like sort of a recipe for mm -hmm. how to do it but with an elopement it's completely different every time like the place you go to the build-up of the day the people the reactions like everything is different yeah I think that a lot of people might think of an elopement as like it's just a photo shoot. It's just something pretty. And then in a way, if someone's getting married and they're choosing to not do the traditional thing, it's still their wedding day. And it still means the same thing to them as a, a traditional wedding day would mean to that couple that chooses that. So if you just set it up as a photo shoot, the couple <laughs> is really missing out because they still want to have the pictures of them getting ready and of their ceremony and all that so it's important to not just treat it like a photo shoot but to treat it as an experience because it's their wedding day I know and it's it's actually quite interesting because I just caught uh, or I talked to a couple the other day and they were like we're new to this like we haven't been married before because it's not like I know there's a lot of Norwegian photographers that doesn't know what it is but there's a lot of people in general that doesn't know what it is so they find it exciting, but it's like, so do we have a ceremony? Like, what what do we do during a ceremony? Because that is also like a big ah, question mark for a lot of people. Because, okay, so we're not in church, so can we do the same things? Like, it's like they're almost asking, is it legal? Yeah. Are we allowed to have vows? Are we allowed to exchange rings? Like, yes, all of these things. And actually many many more things are happening during a ceremony during the movement because uh, you have all the different beliefs of course so for everyone you don't have like uh, written or you don't have readings from the bible but instead people are having like hand fasting mm. uh, where they tie some silk ribbon or whatever around the wrists <laughs> yeah i've been a part of that that's really cool i know and then i've had people that have read because you're alone of course or most of the time you're alone people have read out well wishings from friends and family during the ceremony uh, they've had recordings with them i've actually had a few that set up like a live sessions so people can actually see them get married mm. i've had people that have brought music to the day so they either can listen to their favorite song in this amazing place or do their fresh first dance as newlyweds so there's so many things that you can do and 
people shouldn't like disregard everything and just look at the pretty pictures because this really is an adventure and it's an experience for these people. And they do have the same butterflies in their stomach and like getting to see one another for the first time and hair and makeup and like everything is sort of the same, but it's just happening in a magical place. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so, but like I said, the, the main difference is that the responsibility is mainly on you. Of course, if the hairdresser is not good at what she does, it's terrible and it's not exactly on you, but it's still your responsibility because most likely you found her. Yeah, because I think that's just important to say that in most instances, at least in Norway and probably in Scandinavia in general, people who choose to elope, they're coming from a whole nother country. You don't have to go to a different country and Norwegians are very welcome to elope in Norway, but in general, they don't know anything about Norway. So it's kind of on us as the photographer to guide them. Yeah, that is, that is actually interesting because in yeah, a little bit in Europe, uh, Europe in general, in the United States, you have a lot of planners, like wedding planners, elopement planners. That is a thing. There is a lot of things that aren't a thing in Norway. <laughs> Which is why, like I said, I'm not trying to take someone's profession away. But when there's no one offering it, I have to do the job. <laughs> Which is the case in Norway because we do have wedding planners, but we have wedding planners for traditional weddings. And very often high-end, big, massive weddings uh, that require a whole different way of thinking. So... For me to be able to do this, I had to put myself in a planner's perspective also. So there's a difference because I'm not a planner. So I do not, I'm not the contact in between. Like I provide them with the contacts of all the couples have contact with the vendor themselves, but I provide the information. So if they need flowers, for instance, I give them info to a flower lady or a flower man. But it's not up to me to do the deal itself. Like I can provide the information about what they choose to do, how they choose to do it, how they choose to pay and whatever. It's not up to me. Like nothing goes via me in that sense. But I do provide them with the info because finding flowers, hair, makeup, efficient places to stay, car rental, whatever, it can be daunting in Norway. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, because we do have a lot of big cities that are well informed in general. And then you have a lot of not big cities, which are harder to find all the things you are in need of. Yeah, absolutely. So in that sense, I am a planner, but I, I do not do the work. I only provide information. Mm -hmm. But still, it's up to me to like put the day together sort of in that sense. And because of that. I feel that there's a lot more to it and why it also has, for me, a higher price than a traditional wedding. Because at a traditional wedding, I'm only part of the day. I'm not responsible for anything. Of course, during my time, I'm responsible for it. But when the portrait is done and everything is like not on me anymore, I can relax and see everyone else at work. And yeah. It's, it's not all on my shoulders, but on a, an elopement day, everything is on me and all the work I do before and after and during. Like, for instance, I do not have 
an eight-hour solution. Like it takes the time it takes for uh, most developments are a full day in some sort. And yeah, I price it thereafter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kristen will be right back, but I wanted to let you know that you are welcome to join the Sustainable Photography Facebook group. Come on over and share what you're up to and what you want to learn more about. I've done both weddings and elopements and elopements are a lot more work. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's in, in both senses because it's it's a lot more work and it's daunting, but it's also extremely fulfilling because you know that when the feedback comes, it's on you. Like it's your product and you can feel as proud as you want because they're super happy about the day and content and over overjoyed because you actually made this happen Mm -hmm. so yeah but what else yeah when it comes to the pricing (laughs) because i said it's actually more pricey than i would uh, traditional wedding Mm. it's because also i know a lot of people have different ways of price setting their prices but in an elopement the easiest thing for people is to have one price like all inclusive and that includes your all your expenses and then you just have to put a general price on it of course you can you can adjust it and everything but in general when they go into the web page or whatever you where you have the prices they should see one price going from because if you are to put like a basic price and then put on travel expenses this and that and everything then it's I think it's putting a lot of people off because it's much more easy if you have one price and it it includes everything because there's so many things they aren't aware of that they need help with and all of these things. Like, for instance, the time I used to find places, find vendors, all of this, this is also something you're supposed to charge. (laughs) It's nice work or sometimes it's nice work, but still is part of your work. It's not like a complimentary thing. So... I think they find it confusing if they get one price, which is super low, and then it builds up and builds up and builds up. Yeah. So I I get more bookings from being easy. (laughs) Yeah, it's higher end in a way if you have one price and that's all you have to deal with instead of like, oh, there's an add-on for this and for this and for this. Yeah, yeah. And also what people should know is that, for instance, in Norway, prices are going up from the war, from COVID, from everything. So for instance, two years ago, going to the north of Norway cost around four to six thousand dollars, or not dollars, <laughs> four to six thousand kroners. <laughs> but now for my last trip, because we don't have that many airlines in Norway, so they're very good at setting the prices on having a monopoly. So for instance, now two days up north, just two days up north and accommodation cost me 10,000 kroners. Mm-hmm. So if you deduct that from the price and you deduct taxes and MBA and food and time you spent and everything, you're down to basically nothing if you don't take what you are worth. Absolutely. When it comes to elopements in in general and because i'm sure you have experience or you've seen you've seen things or heard things what do you think that most people do wrong like where do people mess up when they want to get into elopement photography or when they start offering it 
I guess we sort of talked about it, but I think the biggest problem is that they don't know what it is. Yeah. Like a lot of people confuse it with adventure sessions. I don't know the Norwegian word for it, but an adventure session is if you go off someplace, magical, cool, whatever, uh, and take portraits for two or three hours. And there's not like a wedding involved in it at all. Like it's just the portraits, which I, I guess it's like... I do get it because, for instance, if you look at my Instagram page, it looks like I just do <laughs> portraits all the time. Like, that is what I do. But that is what I've chosen to show. But if you go into my portfolio, you can see, like, everything from, like I said, getting ready to ceremony to dinners to hikes to whatever. So I think the biggest problem is that it's a misconception to actually what it is. Because of that, they tend to price themselves too low because they compare it to a traditional portrait session. And another problem is also that when it comes to pricing, if you've done weddings for a while and you feel confident in weddings, then you're good enough to do this. So it's not a different way of shooting in the sense of like, if you're a good photographer, then you're a good photographer. So it's not like when you started out photography and you found the genre weddings and felt like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this because I've not done weddings, so I need to price myself low to be able to get into the market, blah, 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 blah. If you've done weddings and you feel comfortable and you are priced right or sensible on traditional weddings, then there's no reason for you to under price yourself on elopements yeah because you're not starting something new you're just shifting the way you're working but your quality should be the same so that is also one of the biggest problems because it seems like people are like oh this is something new so i need to give a introduction price sort of but you don't need to because people that are after elopements aren't after traditional weddings so it's just a different category like they're not looking at your traditional weddings but they're not so they're not comparing the prices or anything if they want an elopement they go into the elopement section see what it costs and that is it so yeah i think people are starting out too low for the people that already have the ability and experience in wedding yeah I think you're right i've seen that a lot of photographers complain that it's not possible to get shoots in the most beautiful locations in Norway because there's someone there that's willing to do them for free and I definitely think that's a problem but I also don't think it's true that you can't get work in the most stunning locations because uh, if your prices are high enough and sustainable because when I shot my first elopement I'd never done it before but I charged what I should I think I charged like maybe $6,000 for my very first one in Senja, which is like one of the coolest places. And I know that a lot of photographers would say like, oh, that's not possible because someone's willing to do it for free. But the good clients would never choose a free photographer or a cheap one. They would want quality. That is actually uh, a good point because uh, what I've seen from raising the prices each year like I've, I've raised prices in according to the general market but I've also raised prices when it comes to demand like if the demand goes up then I'll raise the prices 
because I'm able and because the prices are getting to where they actually should have been in the first place. But yeah, the funny thing is the better priced or <laughs> the higher price you have, the less they actually ask you about pricing and getting like something off the price if you do this and that, which like haggling, which is something a lot of people do. And I guess most people experience it like the lower price you have, the more haggling they do. <laughs> so uh, the recent year, like I think for my season 2022, I think I've had one or two couples out of 30 that have asked me about the price. The rest has not mentioned the price at all. And that is because, one, they trust in my product. Like, I am apparently good enough to convince them that this is a good product. And also because my prices is on my site. In Norway, you're uh, obligated by law to have your prices, but you do not have to have, like, a full price list. You just have to have it starts from. I do have my prices on my website so you can see them, which makes it a lot easier because a lot of photographers don't have the prices at all. So they have to inquire and then it's add-ons and this and that and everything, which tends to put people off the whole experience. So when they contact me, they already know the price. So they know if I'm within their budget and there are no hidden costs and I say it on my page. So the experience starts already there with them being content. Like if they've accepted the price, then they can move on to all the good stuff, which uh, is part of the experience. And like I said, if they are okay with the price and they look at the um, product I sell and they're happy, then it's going upwards from there. And I think in, in general, like, it's terrible to say because I do I do feel that everyone deserves to be taken a picture of or been being photographed at one point in life and also on your wedding day. But it doesn't have to be a professional photographer. Like this is a luxury product. Yeah. It's terrible to say, but it is. I, I don't think it's terrible. We're we're not a charity. We're running a business. So it wouldn't make sense. I know, but it it sounds so terrible. But uh, yeah, it's it's a luxury product and it's not for everyone. But because cameras and photography in general have become so... Like everyone has a camera, mm -hmm. even if it's on your phone. Like everyone has a camera. So everyone will get taken care of when it comes to this. Like someone will take pictures at your wedding. It all comes down to the quality of it. Like if you don't care about the quality... If I guess like you saw the Kardashians, the eldest Kardashian sister got married at a chapel a few days ago in Las Vegas. And they just released the photos and it's just like iPhone photos, like someone took some snaps. And it's like, yeah, but it's sort of okay because if, if that is something you don't value in that sense, you still have the documentation. So it's not a problem. Like you can look at those photos and be like oh that was a wonderful day but the thing we sell like I said is a luxury product and you need to treat it as well, that way as well because in the end if you don't value yourself they will get back to you on it like they will arrest you on it <laughs> yeah. and also you kind of said it but if your clients don't really value photography then 
why would you want them to book you? You would want clients that value your work. I know. But for all of those that feel that everyone deserves, yes, I do feel that everyone deserves, but they don't necessarily deserve this product. They deserve being taken pictures of, but they will get taken pictures of because like it's everywhere. Like everyone does it. You have an uncle, you have your iPhone, you have friends, whatever. So it's not like the world is going undocumented. Uh, it does happen. But this is a product for the people that value the experience, the outcome, the product. But first of all, like I said, you need to value yourself. One of the, like I mentioned, one of the also big differences between the traditional wedding and an elopement is that it sounds strange, but the photography, like the product, actually becomes the second in line. Like an elopement, you're actually selling yourself and you're selling uh, the adventure. Like what they're going to experience is as big a part of the elopement as the actual product, the photos they're getting when everything is done. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that if you're not into meeting people <laughs> and talking to people and not a people person in general, I would say it might not be for you because you're much, much more invested in the personal personal relationship and elopement than you would be a traditional wedding or whatever else or whatever other genre. So that is a big thing to think about. Like if you do not want to invest more of yourself and more of your personality into what you're doing, then maybe elopements are not for you, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I was supposed to say that, of course, I do have my privacy and I do have my life and my secrets and everything. But I feel more and more like these people that I bring along are like getting to be friends more than anything. Like uh, at traditional weddings, I would end the day and I would send out a few mails and like check in once in a while. But um, the couples that I've had on elopements are people that I actually tend to keep in touch with. And like, oh, how are your dog? I You told me that she just had an operation or if I'm going to the place they actually live, I'm hooking up with them and yeah, so it's a different kind of investing in emotional and personal plane, not just like the work you're performing. Hey, we're just taking a quick break to remind you to come on over to Instagram and share what you've learned from listening to this episode. If you have any questions, you can reach out to any of us. You've been doing photography and elopements, especially for such a long time. Do you have any mistakes or learning experiences that we can call it that you can share about because often it's the mistakes that we learn the most from yeah i tap into this like uh, my biggest mistake is not saying no it's taking on things that i know that won't work because i so 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 want to please the clients for instance Elopements take a lot of time. So initially I had a plan that I was supposed to do like once a week, maybe, maybe not even that because there's so much backlogging of work, like work you have to do afterwards, editing, whatever. But then last year, for instance, I had a day or a week that was total disaster. 
where I went up to a place called Luon, which is not possible to fly to for those who are Norwegians. So I had to drive five hours to this place, have a full day wedding. And the next day I had an elopement in Iceland. <gasps> so to be able to do this, I had to drive up, have the wedding. I was done at 10 or 11 in the evening, put myself in the car again, drive back home and take a flight from Bergen airport at seven in the morning. Which is completely crazy. That is insane. And you end up running on fumes. <laughs> and whatever you get from... That is like part of the problem. Because you have a profession that you actually like or love, you tend to do this, like stupid things. Uh, stretching the, the rubber band to its limit. And if I've done this a lot of times, then I would have been burnt out by like two months. Uh, luckily, this was a one-time incident, but I learned a lot from it, like not booking back-to-back. Because you look at the calendar and you see, oh, I openings all week. It's like, I can put it there, there, and there, and there. And then, yeah, I have one day to rest, and that's good. <laughs> Which is so stupid, because you need a lot of days. You need a lot of days for resting. You need it for doing the work that comes after, following up doing the editing, sending off products, whatever, and following up the clients, and you actually need. So I would say like a good week is what you need in between these jobs in general. So that is one of the biggest mistakes I did. And I didn't only do it in elopement in general. I did it in my work. Mm. Like from the day I started out, I was actually one of the few probably that went bankrupt because of overbooking <laughs> <laughs> it was in my first year uh, or second year as a portrait photographer like I had a big studio beautiful studio since I'm terrible at selling myself I chose a venue that had big 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 windows going out to the street mm. so I could just hang pictures in the window and like people could see the product for themselves and what happened is that people came and came and came and came because this was at the time where you had the more traditional portrait photographers that only took portraits in studio in a very traditional way. And then came me and then a business called Finn, which is gone right now because it wasn't sustainable. But yeah, so I was I was something new because I was a hybrid between traditional portrait photographers and someone that went outside for portraits and stuff like that in the end I booked every single day like I took one at 10 one at 12 one at two one at four and then I kept on doing this every single day which ended up in me having a massive backlog <laughs> in work so I earned money when I did the work and then I had like I think I had almost three four five six months of back work where I didn't earn anything <laughs> so everything went as it should or <laughs> not as it should but it did go overboard mm. and I ended up going back bankrupt because yeah I am good at photography I am good at being with people but I'm not a good business person so I should definitely have someone to help me on that but uh, yeah so Time, like, 
it has nothing to do with photography itself, but like managing my business is something that I've kept on failing at, I would say. Like how to pricing, how to um, set yourself up when it comes to booking, mostly the things surrounding. And also, like I said, the part of saying no when you actually see a problem coming and you don't want to face it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not but it's no it's it's not but it was a good answer yeah a useful answer yeah absolutely so if someone's new at elopements what would you recommend that they do i like i said instagram for instance is a great 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 tool for new photographers because you don't have to actually like people don't have to know you at all like you can put out the most wonderful image and the whole world can see it so you don't have to be a famous photographer for people to actually be able to reach you. So the biggest thing about Instagram as a marketing tool, I guess, is that you have to be consistent. Like you don't have to post every single day, but you do have to have some sort of consistency. So if it's every third day, if it's once a week, whatever, like keep it consistent. Work on your hashtags. So you don't have, like, you don't copy-paste. You cannot have the same hashtags for every image because hopefully you're moving around. So if I, <laughs> if I have an image from Iceland, I cannot keep on hashtagging Lofoten, for instance, even though I would want to. It's, it doesn't help you in the end because it doesn't show what you actually did. But also I learned recently that you are not necessarily, you don't actually have to put in uh, hashtags that says where you are and all of those things, which is, of course, helpful. But also what you do, like, because then you can tap into people's interests. Like, for instance, if I'm hiking, then I can write hiking. It doesn't have to put, like, I don't have to put wedding into the mix it can be just hiking and then someone that loves hiking like oh i'm getting married in a few years i, I love to hike wow i can combine it and if you're in a certain city if you've done something like you can combine so many other hashtags than just things that has to do with elopements or weddings which is also a good thing because it makes you stand out because 90 percent of all photographers put elopement wedding all of those things so it's get it's getting like to a point where you just drown in the masses i guess yeah 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 what about in the long run how can you how can you keep it going i guess it's sort of back to some of the things we've already talked about if you want to do something then you have to show it so if it's only elopements you want to do then you have to show elopements if you don't have the possibility to be or do an elopement because you're fresh then either ask to be a second shooter set up style shoots which is sort of good to get your portfolio going it's not good in general because you don't want to like build an idea that you only take like perfect elopements so it's it's a good idea to get it started but in general like Talk to as many elopement photographers as you can. Get advice on what to do. Do second shooting. Uh, go on workshops. 
I would say everything but underpricing stuff. And that is because that is on you. Like you are eventually going to have to rise from that. And that is terribly hard if you started out way, 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 way. So if you are already an established wedding photographer, then you might just like lower them just a little bit just to get into the market. But in general, like keep it up. Yeah. Show what you want to do and people will eventually come. But yeah, you have to be wise about it when it comes to marketing. And also these Facebook ads or Instagram ads are actually quite good because of the algorithm now. You actually have, have you seen the new thing on Instagram that you can put a favorite? No. (laughs) So if you press the follow button where you're already following, you can go down and you can set them as a favorite. And then they will get your things up in your feed. Because you can choose up to 50 people that you follow that you want to make your favorite. And then you're guaranteed that person actually comes up in your feed. Which is a good thing because now it's down to like 10%. It's really low the numbers that actually see you even though they follow you. But with that function, they actually get to like make sure that they follow you. For some reason, yeah, like like I said, you can post and be consistent and Instagram will reward you for that. But in general, the numbers are low. So to make an impact, uh, the paid ads Uh, that you can use in Instagram is a good thing because they power through everything. Like they don't care about the algorithms or whatever. You put the people you want to see and everything like that and people actually see it, which is a good thing to break up once in a while. And you don't have to like have a big, big budget. You can put like 10, 20 kroners on each of them and they can show for like one or two days. It doesn't have to be like thousands of kroners. Just do it once in a while, a little drip here and there, and then people will also notice you. So if the person who's listening is already an elopement photographer, what can they do to get better? I would say, like, if you feel like you're stuck in, for instance, one place, or, like, I know there's a lot of photographers that has, uh, like, bucket lists, and I would say that using videos or reels or, like, Showing your personality via videos and like putting yourself out there, I think might be important because like I said, this is, you're not necessarily selling your photos. You're selling the adventure that lies underneath the photos. Mm-hmm. So I've actually had people that have booked me for me instead of like, or that is actually the dream scenario is that they are like, Okay, so we don't have a plan at all, but we want you, which is coming more and more often. And to be able for them to book you as a person, they actually need to know you. And that doesn't happen if you hide behind the pictures. You don't have to like do a dance or some awkward thing. Like you can you can just bring your camera or bring your phone and do a little with video of you hiking, for instance, or doing what you love to do that uh, allows people to get to know you a little bit and it doesn't have to actually be your face at all like it does just have to be a video because instagram loves video but just just a little drip here and there that lets people know who you are and why they should choose you over the next person so i think letting your personality show through is a big thing to get you 
further. <laughs> but other than that, it's hard to say because sometimes it's also about being at the right place at the right time. So it's 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 hard to like say do this and everything will work because it doesn't. Like it's it's no easy fix to this. You have to work hard and be consistent, like I said. Like if you want people to notice you, then you have to put out the same again, again and again. And not like the same wedding or the same shoot, but in general what you want to do. And then eventually people will notice you. And also Actually, a big, 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 big thing, and I almost forgot it, is that if there's a community, <laughs> it will get easier. Because if there's lots of elopement photographers that has the same mindset, then people will, will interact and they will give each other work and they will give each other help and recommendations and tips and hints and tricks and whatever. And then we will grow together and people will get known easier because they are associates to this one or known by that one and this one cannot do that job so this one did it and she's not good at that so the work gets sent to this one and that is what i feel is sort of the problem in norway at this point first of all the biggest problem is that in norway we have a very competitive mindset so everything is mine and I keep it to my chest and I don't want to see anyone else succeed and which is rubbish. But I think also part of that problem is that if people don't see eye to eye, like if someone comes in and tries to being being selfish, I would say. So if you do this only to make it work for yourself and don't have a problem with stepping on everyone else to get there, then it's hard to build a community. But for me, for instance, I don't have a problem with anyone else succeeding if they did it in a good way, like helping each other out and everything like that. So I would say that if you're new, then connect, connect with people in addition to all of those other things. But I'm actually hoping that an elephant community will emerge because as things are now, like people not, it's, it's not because there are bad photographers in Norway, but there's so many that doesn't know what goes into this. And if I'm supposed to give another person an elopement, I need to make sure that they actually know what they're offering. Because if people contacted me and say, oh, we want your product, and then I send it to someone else and they do something completely different, which is way off, they skip this and that, they don't provide anything or whatever then it comes back at me. And that is the biggest problem for me nowadays because I do not want to give referrals, for instance, to anyone outside of Norway. But if there's no one to refer to, yeah. then it's a problem. It is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's being the only one usually doesn't give you that many benefits because the more there are of you, the more of a thing it becomes. So I think it's a huge benefit if there are several doing the same thing. It is. So what I would say for you also, like connect, educate yourself, make sure you know what you're selling before you actually sell it. And just like soak it in, like look at people, look at your peers, look at people outside of Norway, what they're doing. And hopefully sometime soon, it will also become a community like we already have and 
wedding photography and it will thrive and yeah yeah that would be good that would be so good that would be very good because I hate to give away something magical to something that we already have like it's it's very cool to see that Norwegian photographers can defend their market and be like we're the best at this instead of some American coming in and making it their territory <laughs> which is like I'm not saying there's no other photographers from other country, countries that can come in and do Norway but like we still need to be able to say like this is what we do this is what we are good at yeah it's it's often one of two it's either the people who charge way more than a Norwegian would ever dare to do or that would charge so little that it's basically just ruining it for everyone yeah and that that is also part of the problem because Norway is an extremely sought after place to go so nowadays people are like almost like I'll do it for free like I will do it for nothing I will even pay the airfare to get there because Norway is amazing which it is but I mean then it would be so much better to uh, have enough Norwegian photographers so that we actually can meet the demand on our own because in the end of course there will be people that want something for free but the market is growing in a positive way so people are valuing experience and quality more and more and that's good and that is something that everyone can benefit from yeah yeah so if you could what would you recommend doing to build a sustainable business you're asking the hardest questions don't work too much say no be consistent stick to your thing find your niche yeah there's there's a combination like i said like be sensible about booking be consistent in your marketing learn to say no definitely work on your people skills if this is something you want to do because you're selling yourself as much as the photography as a product and you also uh, need to put in the work that it takes to understand that you're selling an adventure and all the things that comes with it but yeah prices is a big thing keep an assistant although a lot of people think that not having prices available makes it easier for you to give out the price you need to get the job it actually has the opposite effect for most clients. Like they they want to know as much as possible to be able to decide uh, if you are the one. And that is actually like being fully transparent is part of what they seem to appreciate. Mm. I think it would hold a lot of people back to inquire at all if they didn't know anything about your prices. Yeah. I do think so. Like I said, in the start, I was like, oh, but if I don't have prices, I can adjust. So if it's a job I really, really want, then I can give it for free almost. But it it just backfires because although your prices aren't visible, if someone did get a job for free, it will spread and you will become the cheap photographer. Yeah. You can get the jobs you want, even if you charge where you should for them. Yes. And then the experience for you as well will be so 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 much better because if they know your prices and they're priced right they will value every minute that you put into work really because like I am 
like actually getting back to one of my biggest problems is bending over backwards i do that and i i think you in a way should like in a line of work where everything is up in the air and not really restricted to either time or place then you should be good at adjusting because it's necessary but of course there's a limit to how much you can do but for instance i've had Like the recent year, I had two elopements that we hit a snowstorm, sort of. And it was like, there's no way we can do this. And if it would have been any other line of work, it would have been, yeah, but it's this day or no day. But I adjusted. So we skipped to the next day and everything was perfect. And that is part of what the client will appreciate because they don't see the pictures as a result of this. They see what I did to make it become perfect for them so i've actually had reviews written way before they've even seen a photo which i i tap myself on the back because of that because that means that i gave them the experience they were after and the photos is sort of a bonus of course that is the product i sell but it it becomes so so much more important yeah uh, the experience itself absolutely yeah It's, it's an important reminder so where can the listener go to look at your photos and to get to know you better? I, I would say for me, it's uh, like the biggest uh, source is actually Instagram. Like that is where you find me the most. If you want to reach me, send me a DM on Instagram. I do have Facebook, but you have a smart thing in Instagram that if you post to Instagram, you can automatically post to Facebook. So why I actually appear on Facebook is because it's ha- it's happening automatically. Facebook is some some place I'm not actually on. So if you send me a DM or a personal message on Facebook, I probably won't see it. So I would say email or Instagram DM or just commenting on the photos or whatever. But that is where you find me. Uh, and I also, in general, like it's been off season, so it's been on and off. But in 14 days, I start my season and then you will see me everywhere all the time. Like I will, I will be on that storyline all the time. Cool. I'll be sure to link to your Instagram in the show notes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a really good and I'm sure there's a lot of people who's going to find value in your wisdom from uh, many years as a photographer. Hopefully. Like I said, I'm no wizard. I don't have the answers to everything, but I've been around for a while. So if people have questions, like good or bad or whatever, uh, I'm here. It's hard to like think of everything on the top of your head. So there's probably a lot of things that I haven't told, but I do have like a bucket of stories that hasn't gone well. So if people want to contact me to get assured that everything doesn't work out for the best all the time, I'm yours. Because <laughs> I'm not all sunshine stories, really. Thank you for that. Thanks for listening to Sustainable Photography. Head over to Instagram at Ingvild Kolnes to tell me what you want future episodes to be all about. Check out the show notes over at ingvildkolnes.com podcast. You can learn more about the Sustainable Photography Program and sign up for the waitlist there. To get more of this content, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Your support makes all the difference. Talk soon.